0: Good evening, Matt. How are you doing today?
1: Hi, Johnny. I'm doing all right. I've been uh, sick this week and started off with a scratchy throat, ended up being all nasally and sinusy, and thank goodness was not the new strand of COVID that is detected here in South Africa. It's been a bit of a up and down week and I've been trying to rest a bit, but today I'm feeling a lot better than I did on Monday so that's a good thing how are you doing
0: i'm doing fantastic so we had a bit of snow after our previous recording today is uh, our first uh recording in december it's uh starting to feel really Christmassy here on the positive side i mean i know it sucks to be sick on the positive side we're recording so because of your uh nasal congestion it actually makes uh your voice deeper, sexier. (laughs) I'll take it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely starting to feel Christmassy here as well. Not in terms of the weather. Our Christmas is super hot. But uh, the elf on the shelf arrived in the house on the 1st of December. (laughs) And not only that, my wife has, along with the kids, decorated the house with fake snowflakes all over (laughs) and two christmas trees and a lot of decorations so there's a lot of excitement around christmas in our family excellent to uh
0: start off i want to update you on something i purchased on black friday as you know despite us not recording the video i do some video calls and my lighting is not that great so i (laughs) i bought this thing it was on sale on black friday this light fixture It helps with um, Zoom calls. Ever since COVID, I see all these people having like really amazing setup. It it looks like a studio Mm -hmm. when I look at their uh, YouTube channel. And uh, after acquiring uh, a professional mic and a boom arm, that's the next thing is having good lighting for my Zoom calls. So I got this thing called the Elgato Light Air. It's Wi-Fi connected so I can control it on my computer. And uh, hopefully if I need to do any Zoom calls with you at night and recording you can actually see my face now
1: very nice i've also got a decent light setup that i hardly ever use only when i do youtube videos but yeah if we ever do video we can both look nice and bright and and shiny
0: yeah so you also did a black friday sale can you give us an update i'm really eager to learn like how did that go you set up a goal as well
1: well i wouldn't call it a goal but i defined what success would look like and (laughs) success would be 10 sales a failure would be one sale and uh meh this was okay to do but not worth it was um two sales so (laughs) can we have a drum roll (laughs) so i launched my campaign on black friday with a single email to a list of about 1,200 people. And just, I, I've got my MailChimp open here. So I'm reading from the stats. I had a 14.5% open rate on that email, which meant 147 people opened it. So feels quite small. I think it is quite small, probably because I've been gathering these emails for almost a year now and haven't mailed them once. But in any case, of the 147 people that opened the email, nine people clicked the link. Okay. Okay. To go through to the site. <laughs> We're slowly moving forth through the funnel. <laughs> so I then sent on Cyber Monday another email to the same list, minus the round about eight people that unsubscribed. And on that email, it had a better open rate. So 190 people opened that Cyber Monday email and it essentially said this is their last chance to get, I ran a 50% off special on WP Discussion Board. 18.6% of people opened that email, which had a better open rate. And it had a better click-through rate as well because 10 people clicked on the link in the email. <laughs> and how did that translate to sales? Well...
0: Hold on, so that's 19, right? That's 19... 19- Total click through, right? 19 through
1: click- to the website. Yeah. Right, right. So, how many sales do you think I got?
0: 19. I would say, in terms of conversion rate, uh, I would say maybe you get a 20% conversion from there.
1: So, four. Okay. <laughs> the answer is incorrect. <laughs> I got. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I got one Black Friday sale. Obviously, somebody had come to the site, not through my email. They purchased the piece of software and they got lucky because they saw the special. (laughs) So it was a big botch and it's fine. I learned a lot. Isn't it possible that they still saw the email? It's just they went back to it? Potentially. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. Actually, no, it's not because a sale came in just before I sent the first email out. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So. I think, yeah, I learned a lot. The main thing is that if you've got an email list, you need to keep it active. The other thing is like in the business that I'm in, so the way that I collected the emails is through people submitting a request on the site to download the free version or for them to kind of generate a free license. And the chances I already send them an upsell email and they get it in the dashboard of the plugin subsequent to them kind of performing those two actions. So the chances are that some of these people had already subscribed is pretty high or that they decided not to use the software and move to something else is also pretty high. So it's not like something that you would want to buy it once when you're setting up your website and set it up and then be done with it. So I don't know if the people that I was targeting were kind of the right kind of people. They probably weren't because I made no sales. So, yeah, I think it was a mismatch in terms of the email marketing. And, you know, if somebody downloaded the software six months ago, they're not going to suddenly want to buy it now. That was probably the big lesson. And I'm not upset about it. The sales kind of still trickle in on the software. People come in when they need it. And if I had to do it again, I'd have to have a proper rethink about like how to kind of promote a Black Friday special. You know, it's kind of like you've got to time it. You've got to you've got to time the special to when somebody is looking for the software. So you've got to hope that on Black Friday people are looking for discussion board software. I think a more effective strategy for specials and coupons and money off and to get people into the sale is to kind of have an email sequence from when they sign up for a license a free license for instance to send a, like a five email se- sequence which includes training and then money off as the sequence gets kind of mailed out to them and i've got a very very basic version of that but it's not nowhere near what it could be
0: yeah exactly that's what i thought because by just sending out a single email it would be a really tough campaign but first of all i think a lot of people would forget what WP discussion board is. Well, I mean it's a name, but they might be confused with some other software, some other discussion board. They have to first kind (laughs) of orient themselves and figure out, oh, like what's this WP thing about, right? And then they have to realize a value right away. Oh, this is the thing that I always wanted, right? So those would be very far and few in between.
1: Those people, if they really wanted it, they would have bought it during the process of installing the plugin and then need in the pro version.
0: Yeah. Exactly, so I, I agree with you that the campaign has to be has to go out probably I would say in October uh maybe a four or five
1: drip sequence well i don't, I don't think it should be tied to Black Friday at all. I think it should just be a general it happens all the time. I'm willing to give people some money off to get them to make the sale, and I do that in any case, so I gave a fifty percent discount for Black Friday right now I've moved it back down to thirty percent, and that's like an ongoing special like you know to be ended at a to be determined time, but I could use that as a motivator for people to buy through an email sequence.
0: What about your directory listing? You mentioned that you submitted your deal to some kind of a deal.
1: There was a page on a industry related website and I put the deal there. Maybe that's how that other person found my deal. I didn't add tracking or anything to the URL. Actually, I couldn't add tracking. It was just a, you know, give us your URL and tell us what your deal is. And then they kind of went and put all the deals together on a single web page. So potentially that's where the one customer did come from. But, you know, again, not very effective. It's like, it's not the right piece of software to be selling on like a one day special. I had a quite annoying experience, to be honest, with a Black Friday purchase that I went and bought in the WordPress space. The piece of software that I use to kind of sell WP discussion board and create licenses and kind of recurring subscriptions, they had a Black Friday special. And this is something that I needed to renew. They had a special on their ultimate plan which if you go to their website, says it's $4.99. I think it was $4.99 for the ultimate plan. And they had it on for one sixty. So I was like, wow, okay, this is great. I'm about to, my subscription for the software is about to expire. I need it because I need another year license to keep this going. And I went and I purchased the deal. This is a company that has just been bought over by, what would you call it, a portfolio of WordPress businesses. And prior to being owned by this portfolio, it was run by a really good guy. And he had been running the software for many years. It's a great piece of software. But now this portfolio bought him out and he got a nice big payout, I'm sure. They bought all his, his WordPress businesses from him and they've started implementing these marketing tactics. So what happened is I bought the piece of software and it was for 160 So the cost on the website right now is $399. And I got it for 160 which was a great deal. And after I had paid, I went into the account dashboard that said like in kind of this, the fine print beneath it, this will renew in a year from now for $999. So I was like, how sneaky is this? They've got an auto renewal subscription on this. So I don't get the, you know, it's not the, the 160 that I'll pay recurring in a year from now, they're going to charge me $999 for the recurring amount. And prior to this company owning it, it was far less expensive than that price that really left a bad taste in my mouth. So I went and I canceled the subscription and I'll wait for their Black Friday deal next year and I'll rebuy it on the Black Friday deal if I need it at that point. But yeah, don't do that. I would never do that with my software. It was I thought it was really sneaky.
0: It's interesting. Recently, I also kind of experienced the same thing. Which I it was my internet provider. So I was I was hoping to switch to um, fiber with the one gigabit per second speed. Always wanted to have fiber internet at home because they were able to get into my building's lobby, provide free internet, and they put a, a booth there, kind of like a digital display. Actually, that advertisement was playing twenty four seven, and then. They would have um, flyers that you can pick up in the lobby. I thought it was a pretty good deal. And they just mentioned, you know, it's like half the price of any other competitors. So I thought, oh, this is like this is great. They have a dedicated landing page as well for our building. So I signed up there through the dedicated landing page thinking that, oh, this is like a customized deal for my building. So it's going to be great. But I found out later on that that deal is only limited to The first year, which is fine because it's a strategy used by the major telcos in Canada anyway. Uh So it's sort of expected. But the thing is, you could clearly see that they're on their advertisement. There is no mention anywhere of, you know, there's no asterisk or anything like that. Not,
1: you know, the first. Yeah. Until you buy and then you find out.
0: (laughs) So I think what they did was they initially, I think the deal was there. They were trying to, you know, get the early adopters in and then they switched the deal. But they didn't bother updating the website they didn't want to come in to change the digital display a person has to come in and do that and swap the flyers that are all over you know the mailroom. when i call they're like oh you know quite frankly there's no you know there's no such deal right so i just feel that it was a bait and switch they were using tactics that are used by others however it's just you know they didn't bother changing their marketing collateral right and i thought at least you should honor that so i decided to not going to go with them anymore yeah. So how did your week go? This is supposed to be my marketing and sales week. So I have my plans to start looking at Google Ads, the funnel that I talked about last week, uh looking at content, certain keywords. And I actually replied to someone, and this is what I want to get into. I replied to someone that reached out to the website in the chat asking about the music testing service to Give you some background. The music testing survey is something that's sort of on the side. Is not You can't set it up yourself because it's sort of like a specialized piece of code that has to be run. It has to be set up differently, mainly sold to radio stations when they want to do music research. And um, I actually kind of ignore that message for a while. It was during you know the past couple of weeks when I was going through that stage of not knowing what to do with the technical issues I was dealing with. So this week I reached back and then also there's another radio station that I had in contact with in Europe. One of the things that I think I don't have never mentioned to you is that I don't actually know how to set them up because when I acquired this from the seller, they had a document talking about how to set up someone because, you know, salespeople would have to go through the document and help set up a new customer. And I realized that they just sent me a link. There's a link in the document, but I don't have permission to that link. So it's still sort of like a mystery to me how someone gets set up. I mean, the second best thing for me to do is to look at the code to actually try to reverse engineer the
1: process, yeah.
0: <laughs> which is not really good. So I have to reach out to the seller uh, after all these months and ask them for permission
1: to that document. I had a similar experience with the WP Discussion Board where I had, as part of the deal that I did, negotiated that I would get six to 12 months. I can't even remember. Yeah, I think it was 12 months actually worth of support while I transitioned the business over to myself. And during that period, I would reach out to the seller of the software, specifically around like bugs that came out. And I remember at one point I was working on a feature and I saw this massive piece of code that was commented out, which was related to the feature that I was building. And I sent the seller an email and I said, hey, like there's this huge piece of functionality that's commented out. Why is this? It looks it looks to be good. Is it, was it a security issue? Was it, you know, something, was there a bug in the feature? And the answer that I got was just, uh, I don't know, it was a long time ago. And as much as I could, I, like I would prod and try to get, you know, the reason out of him, I was just like getting nowhere with it so sometimes it happens you know you get these locked documents that you can't access or you know they're not willing to answer questions even though under contract they should be providing support it's just you know the way it's i suppose it goes sometimes
0: yeah and that's one of the things that you, you learn as a new buyer i mean people would know that that always going to be surprises and issues that they haven't planned for right like despite how good something looks on the prospectus or on the listing. The thing is I feel like pretty embarrassed to have to ignore this uh, prospect that reach out because at that point I was like, oh, I don't, how do I get on a call with you and help you? I guess I was also at a place where a little bit earlier, one of the radio station that was using this um, music testing feature, they churned. So I was trying to reach out. I was trying to give them a discount to renew because they weren't doing the automatic payment because I think radio stations like to just pay by the year. So it was uh, processed through an invoice to originally. So I think I was kind of running into your problem with the WordPress customers trying to get them to put in their credit card problem. So they finally replied to me and they said, oh, they're too busy, don't have time, right? So it just feels like it's a big loss because it was like thousands of dollars of uh, of revenue from that one customer. Wow, no, that's hectic. And I was also dealing with you know, other issues where people were complaining about the responsiveness. So I'm like, oh, I have to like fix all this problems first before I go in and talk to people, which I decided was that's not a good thing to do because now you're just in this persistent loop of fix the next issue, fix the next bug, right? And never really go and do your marketing yeah the stuff that you talk about about email like i also have like a list of what like 10 i don't know at this point probably like 16, 16 emails that i can reach out probably not do a sale but at least try to provide some value at least try to provide you know value on oh, what we're working on give them an update so mm-hmm.
1: what are you using to capture those emails like what email uh, marketing software so right now their email is captured both on stripe and intercom okay
0: yeah so as soon as someone signs up because it's freemium despite them being freemium an invoice will be generated for them with a you know zero dollar plan and then intercom would also be pinged oh and also i think there's an api integration in there that
1: also sends it to mailchimp so they're like they're in three different places i use mailchimp and i find that it's just like the cost is escalating out of control so i think it's every 50 subscribers, you go to this new like pricing block. So uh, over a thousand. So a thousand cost me like $19.99. And I'm on 1,250 or so at the moment. And it's like $34 a month. And every like 50 new subscribers, it goes up by $5. At some point, this is going to become a problem. So I'll probably archive most of the emails because, like I said, it's not an effective way to market with the type of software that I've got. But, you know, if I want to capture them and keep them in a, in a mail-in the software, MailChimp doesn't seem to be the one to use. Unless there's, you know, some other way, some other plan that they've got where I can get a high amounts of contacts for less of a cost.
0: I would recommend if you're looking for an alternative, Mailer Lite, they have a much better unit cost or um, a vendor called Email Octopus. Um, so Email Octopus, they would use your own AWS account. So if you use AWS... It will send it straight through there. So AWS will charge you for like Uh, very, very minimal peanuts, right? They just create Mm -hmm. that layer on top of AWS uh, SES, you know, so that you can divide your list. You can segment your list. That would be a tool that I'd recommend.
1: Cool. I'll check them out.
0: Yeah. So talking about segments, (laughs) I ran into also another customer problem where in SurveyBot, there are these things called panels, which is kind of like a list in the email marketing platform terminology so panel is equivalent to a list of so panel you have a bunch of respondents to your surveys and then you can actually segment your panel to different groups by their attributes like their location or their age if they put in their age or uh, gender stuff like that different attributes so there was an issue that was raised this week that kind of threw my week off because i was looking to complete what i promised last week there's this very basic thing that this customer was trying to do, they just want to go to their survey, which is like the most basic thing. It's like going to, <laughs> into an, a list into their email, you know, marketing yeah. platform, but it would wouldn't render. It would give them like a 500 error. So I'm like, oh, what's going on? So it apparently is somehow the software got into an inconsistent, st- invalid state where a segment was just it would just crash the SQL query, and I don't know how it got there. It somehow they got into that state. The software should have caught that somehow when it updated the filters. Yeah. So it was another one of these things where, you know, there's something very basic. It should work, but it's just not working. And then when I had to figure things out, it was kind of from first principle. I have to go through all the logs and everything, and it kind of derailed part of my
1: week. Yeah. Those are hard things to figure out. Like my philosophy on bugs like that is if it's the first time you've seen it, fix it because it's usually a database issue. And then don't even think about it again until it happens again. And if it happens like three times, okay, well then there's something in the code that needs to happen. Like sometimes you just get like obscure conditions that cause bugs like this where somehow something, you know, either in your database went wrong, maybe it was a query that went wrong, an insert query, something like that. So I wouldn't even touch it until it happens like consistently for two to three times. Just make sure you've obviously fixed the issue with the customer.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things like, You mentioned about your seller. It's in the contract that he has to explain stuff to you, like why code is commented out, despite it being in the contract. He didn't want to do it because it was long kind of in the past for him. Whereas for me, there is none of that because it's a fire sale. So sometimes not just the code, right? Even as a user, I would discover these features on how do you do this segment? What is a segment, you know, condition? Oh, it's a way to filter out, you know, segments in the panel, right? So all these user level. Problems or understanding, you kind of have to learn them from scratch. And sometimes these features are not well documented or you just have to learn from scratch. And that's kind of one of the things that definitely it was a bit of a surprise in terms of even that learning curve for me from a user's perspective. Even if there's a team that would help me solve problems on the technical front as a user, when things aren't working, like I have to figure out what was the intention of that piece of software trying to do
1: yeah yeah it's
0: hard the part about learning from a user's perspective learning why the piece of software is behaving in a certain way because there were certain intentions from scratch sometimes it could be there could be a lack of documentation that could be tough and it's something that nobody talks about when they're buying businesses right people always talk about you know the numbers the due diligence process how to do the negotiation But it's after the fact, right, there's a huge chunk beneath the surface of this iceberg, right, that nobody talks about, which is just learning as a user.
1: You know, hard work isn't going to be what sells. Like the opportunity of gold is what sells. So like all these courses about buying and running businesses, they stop at the point where you actually buy the business and the deal is done and you know celebrations all around champagne is popping party poppers going off like you know nice chocolate cake everybody's happy but it's actually at that point when it really becomes difficult finding deals isn't too difficult it's straightforward like this process you can follow getting a deal done isn't that difficult just follow the process But once you get handed over a business that is a black box with so many unknowns and there's no one business that is exactly the same as any other business, whether you've run another business, built another business, bought another business, this one that you've taken on now is going to be completely different and it's going to be a whole different experience and there's going to be challenges and You almost can't write a book on that. But I suppose, you know, maybe it's our job to just emphasize that this is what happens. And you got to be aware that when you take something on like this, that there's going to be a ramp up period where you're going to struggle and you're going to find it difficult. But I think there's light at the end of the tunnel. If you continue to push and you continue to grind, you'll get through it and you will eventually, the product will become more familiar to you. And it'll become like your own product that you know inside out because you created it. I think it's a time in thing.
0: Yeah, like this is what month seven for me and I'm still learning. That is the part that I've definitely underestimated how fast I can pick up these things. Like what a big piece of the customer segment is actually customers that are using what's uh, called a Facebook workplace. So it's sort of like the Microsoft team equivalent and I've never used it. I mean, there's a test account, but it's not like I'm in there every single day, like someone who is working at an enterprise would use it, right? And sometimes they would face problems that I have like no idea what they're talking about. Are they talking about my software? Are they talking about Facebook Workplace, like the integration port? Like, what is it? Is it the, an update to the integration? That is definitely the part that I underestimated how long it takes, because it's not just learning about the code, my software. It's also learning about the integration points, like how... When people set it up, a lot of the times they forget to give enough permission, and the software is not behaving as as expected. And there's nothing much I can do on my. Well, I think I guess onboarding, teaching people, but like better documentation, teach people how to go to the yeah. Facebook side and enable certain permissions is important.
1: That's exactly what I was I was going to say. Is like your onboarding process needs to be like really switched on. And I always like using video because it's both personal. But it is so, for me specifically, and I've actually had a few conversations with people about this this week, it's so much easier to pay attention to a video than a long piece of text with screenshots. And I think, you know, in some ways you've got to off, uh, offer both because, for instance, somebody who is visually impaired might not be able to watch a video, but they can have a screen reader read the text on the screen. But I think for the majority of people, video is, is a really effective mechanism for delivering onboarding material and kind of showing them you like, you know, going through the setup process that they need to follow and the permissions on Facebook that they need to add so that they don't, you know, go and set up a Facebook connection with, you know, insufficient permissions.
0: Yeah. So I think that's one of the things in terms of the marketing direction, the lowest hanging fruit for me is to almost kind of create something similar to what my customer would have. I mean, despite them being somewhat diverse, just perhaps creating a brand new Facebook page that has a certain brand and using that and try to hook up the bot and do all of that and have that as a living sort of example as a sort of quote unquote reference implementation on how to use Surveybot and creating content around that, around how to set it up, how to get a Facebook ads going. I think that's one of the big questions. Someone asked me how to how do you do Facebook ad targeting? They use their bot and they're getting a lot of kind of low quality leads. Oh, okay, I think creating content like that would be helpful on the marketing front because people can actually see how other people are using it and draw inspiration from that. And for me, it'll be a way to get the word out how to use it, what are the capabilities. And for me, it will be a learning experience because now I have to actually be eating my own dog food. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that would, a very effective way to market
0: okay so basically to give an update I wasn't able to complete the merge request that I promised last week and uh, in the upcoming week that is what I will be working on It'll be that. Uh, I just hate jumping around like different git branches because I'll start working on it I'll look look at the code and then I'll there will be a production issue like this one that I mentioned and then I'll have to jump back to the another branch get it merged, finish, work the merge request. And I would start actually writing the first piece of content on this uh, marketing piece that we talked about, which is to get the bot running with an ad
1: campaign. Awesome. Look forward to hearing about your progress next week. Yeah.
0: Uh, What about you?
1: Yeah, for me, I am going to take December off and not touch code and not work on anything. So I've got no commitments. I am using this time as a refresh and looking forward to coming back strong in January.
0: I think a lot of people are actually doing that. December is sort of like a month where they would do something light or in your case, not uh, nothing at all and plan for 2022.
1: Yeah absolutely it's it's been a long year and a half, obviously since the pandemic and there was a lot of challenges that came along with that, like for me, for instance, homeschooling three kids for an extended period of time, just the general stress. my wife has a physical business that had to shut down and then go on to zoom, and all of this combined just like created a, a difficult time. <laughs> I really need to take some time off, refresh myself. And then so I'm very excited about the new year. And we've spoken a little bit about this in the last episode. There's a lot that I've got going on that's really exciting to me with regards to building products. And I need to spend some time thinking, planning, and figuring out kind of plan of action for next year and how I'm going to approach different things. So that's what I'm going to do on December. And then yeah, I'll just uh, do some woodworking, <laughs> eat some good Christmas food, <laughs> spend time with family, and just relax.:
0: Great. So on the positive side, this is episode 36, just to remind you, we started, we didn't have a podcast at the beginning, and now we have 36 episodes. There's some positive that come out of 2021.:
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: for sure this podcast would be one. So do you want to sign us
1: up? Show notes can be found on Bygrowrepeat.com. Johnny is at Johnny Tong on Twitter and I'm at Matt Jerry on Twitter. And this episode is edited by our good friend, Rory Yonkakau. His Instagram is at Radio Rory. See you next week. Bye.